Let us pray. Our God and our Father, we thank you for this time to break the bread of life, your word to your people. And I'm asking at this time, Lord, that you will lift self out of me, hide me behind a cross so that you are seen and not myself. Lord, touch these lips of clay and speak through me. And I pray that you will anoint the people to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. I pray that you'll bestow upon them the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Christ. And we vow to give you all the glory and all the praise for that which you would do in Jesus' name. Amen. Why did God choose Mary? I would say that this message really comes on the back of uh, two weeks of uh, messages that um, the Lord has had me to give. And um, we've been looking at God wants to use nobodies. God wants to use nobodies. And we've been uh, uh, looking at the patriarchs uh, in the Bible, looking at their, uh, their CV, really. And uh, the type of people that God calls. And um, sometimes when we read this Bible um, and we uh, look at the patriarchs uh, and we see some of the great exploits that are done uh, from these people, we forget that these were normal uh, human beings. And what made them great, it wasn't that they were great. It was the God that they serve and that they trust in that made them great. And uh, God is no respecters of persons. Uh, he's a respecter of a person's faith. If you believe that God can use you and he, he has no bias, he holds no indifferences, God will raise up a nobody, a rejected, a dejected, a misfit, uh, an outcast. Someone who uh, would never dream that uh, God will be interested in them and, 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 and use them. Uh, God used a prostitute. God used murderers. In the scriptures, God used all sorts of people. Rahab was a prostitute. But when she encountered uh, the... Um, uh, uh, the, the, the men that uh, Joshua, Moses, Joshua sent out uh, to spy out the land in Jericho, uh, they heard what God did. And, and this prostitute was so touched that she changed her life. She hid the spies. And as a result of that, the Bible added her to the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Most people will think that if God is going to select any group of people to use in a wonderful way, they have to have a wonderful resume, a great background and, and uh, social status, and uh, perhaps someone of wealth, perhaps someone of vast intellect, and he can use uh, these sorts of people. But most of them he has to reject because of their pride, because of their arrogance. And so God goes and he looks at the lowly, the humble, the meek, the broken. But we will say, Lord, if you can use nothing, use me. These are the words that I said some, wow, how many years now um, ago? Um, Lord, when he was calling me, now, I didn't consider myself, why are you calling me for? I'm sure, Lord, I can recommend to you people that are far more eloquent than myself. People who are far more confident, have more faith. But when God decides to put his finger on someone's life, he looks at their heart. And you see, there's no one that knows you better than God. God knows you more than you know yourself. And he knows all those <clears throat> idiosyncrasies, 
proclivities, dispositions that we have, those skeletons in our cupboards that we won't want anyone to know about. And you probably will say, would he use me? Would he accept me? Absolutely, yes, he would. Just as how he used people with great flaws in the Bible. David had some, King David had some great highs and some great lows. But he was known as a, a man after God's own heart. And so why did God choose Mary? What kind of a woman was Mary to give birth to the Son of God? Let's look at some stuff, shall we? As I said, that God delights in using ordinary people that he chooses. He chooses ordinary people, and God is the one who's extraordinary. And so you find uh, those ordinary people doing extraordinary things because of their faith, their trust in a supernatural, all-powerful, all-knowing God, God chooses to use mere mortal people, even with flaws in their lives, as long as they are trusting in him and not themselves. Once we take our eyes of the master and think, what is happening, it is all about me. The Bible says that God resists the proud, but he draws close to the humble. And so if you want to get God's attention in your life, if you want an encounter with God, if you want an experience with God, one has to become humble. He resists the arrogance and the pride. Why? Because Satan got kicked out of heaven because of pride. And Satan wants us to bear his characteristics in our lives. And God wants us to resist that and bear his nature in our lives. And so let's go into this teaching, uh, uh, shall we? Uh, it is amazing. Um, Gabriel, uh, one of the three uh, angels that are mentioned uh, in the Bible. Um, Lucifer was an archangel. Gabriel, and you have Michael. And they all had different position. Lucifer, before his fall, uh, was known as the one that led worship. He was over the music. And that's why today, the music of the world, the music of the world that does not focus on God, it's literally worship to him. God created music for his pleasure. Worship to worship him. And so Lucifer was over that. And uh, not only that, he had the Bible says when he was created, because he was a created being by God, that he had pipes formed in him. You can read that in the book of Ezekiel chapter 28, Isaiah chapter um, 14. It tells you about this archangel. Pipes were formed in him that when he sung, I mean, you often heard the, um, the, the saying, wow, that person's got some pipes. And so the, also the Bible says there were gemstones that were embedded in Lucifer. So imagine in heaven as he led worship, led the angels in worship before God. He was known as the covering cherub, the one that walked up and down in the presence of God. What an awesome privilege. Until one day, 
looked at all of that and he thought to himself, I want some of that. I want that worship. And the Bible says he concocted a, a conspiracy and he managed to persuade one third of all the angels in heaven in his conspiracy to overthrow his creator. You see what pride does? It makes you think of yourself more than you ought to. And he thought because of his position and influence, he would have been along with the one third of the angel overthrow God, but God being all knowing, that did not take place. And he was excommunicated for good from heaven. And he came down to this earth with names like serpent, the dragon, uh, devil, which means the accuser of the brethren, uh, Satan, evil spirit, and, 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 and so forth. Now you've got Michael, uh, um, who is the uh, archangel over battles. And so he leads uh, 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 angels into battle. Um, and you see that very clearly. We're not going to go too much into that. And now you've got Gabriel. Gabriel is known as the messenger angel. He brings special messages to certain people that God is going to use or wants to communicate something most important. And so this is uh, what took place uh, with uh, Mary. So Gabe, uh, Gabriel shows up while Mary was just doing her own business in her home. And um, he addressed her and says, Mary, highly favored one. Try and put yourself in her shoe. God had stopped speaking to his people for 500 years because God will raise up prophets to turn the people back to God and they will turn back to God and as soon as that prophet died or that king died that was godly they will turn to idolatry and worship foreign gods and then uh, their practices before God their worship before God was becoming contaminated and God says right that's it I'm no longer going to be speaking and so the first time when he spoke Six months before Gabriel um, came to Mary, angel Gabriel showed up in front of a high priest who was carrying out his duties in a temple. He was an old man. His wife, Sarah, Sarah was old. Uh, uh, she was barren. And he now shows up and begins to speak to Zachariah, uh, the priest, and he says to Zachariah that um, your wife is going to conceive and bear a son. And his name will be called John. Zachariah the priest, he had knowledge of the scripture, but somehow he did not believe. He questioned angel Gabriel and angel Gabriel responded, don't you know who I am? I stand in the very presence of God. Because you have not believed, from now you will be mute, dumb. Because Zachariah could have talked himself out of a miracle here. And so, whilst he was in the temple, carrying out those duties offering up sacrifices the people were waiting for him outside they got worried because what normally happens when the priests go into uh, offer up a, a, a sacrifice before God if there was any sin in that priest he would have fallen dead and there was a rope tied around the waist that they will pull him out so the Bible says the people began to get worried 
And then all of a sudden, Zechariah appears and he could not speak. And the people knew there was a visitation. Obviously, his wife went on to have a baby. And so you have now a different disposition here. And this is really great. I, I, I really like uh, Mary's uh, 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 disposition because it teaches us how we ought uh, to be in the era of tr just simple trust. That's what God delights in when we trust him, when we trust his word, regardless of what things may sound like, feel like, look like. And God now speaks a word into that situation. And we just says, okay, Lord, let it happen. And this is what took place. God said uh, through uh, the angel uh, Gabriel said, you have been highly favored. So the applause comes from a Greek word meaning much grace. When God says, Mary, you are highly favored. In other words, there is uh, Mary uh, was not chosen uh, because uh, she was holier than other women. She was not chosen because of her education, her status, her social status in life. Uh, she was uh, uh, chosen uh, because of God's grace. There were some obviously characteristics about this. And she was a young teenager. And let me give you a bit of background. Uh, every teenager girl knew of the prophecy prophesied 700 years before Jesus Christ came to the earth from the uh, uh, prophet Isaiah. And so you have two major prophecies in the book of Isaiah concerning and the birth of Jesus and how he was to be born. And so you got the first one uh, in um, uh, um, Isaiah chapter uh, 7 and verse 14. Uh, shall we? Uh, look at um, that scripture. Isaiah 7 and verse uh, 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and you shall call his name Emmanuel. So this was a prophetic word concerning the Messiah 700 years before Jesus Christ came. So Emmanuel meaning God with us. There is no human being in the Bible that was given this title. Emmanuel. And then you have Isaiah Chapter 9. Is it Isaiah chapter 9? And uh, verse 14. I've got so many scriptures here. I don't think I wrote those scriptures down. Oh, here it is. Great. Yes. 7, 14. That's right, 7, 14. Okay. Therefore, the Lord himself will give... Okay. Okay. What have we got here? You found it on there? Isaiah chapter 9, no, Isaiah chapter uh, 6. It's that wonderful counsel of mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of There's so many scriptures going through my head, and I, that just escaped me, just that one. Okay, and it, you shall call his name Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God. It's chapter 9. 
Oh, look at that. I was on the right uh, chapter. Okay, just a few verses. For unto us a child is born. Praise God. Remember, this is 700 years. This is what I'm trying to put across. 700 years before this happened. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so, fast forward, okay, and we see uh, this uh, magnificent being, uh, Gabriel, uh, coming to a mere mortal young girl who was a virgin, and he now begins to speak to her something that would just would have blown anybody's mind. The most important message in the whole of history was spoken to her. That the power of the Most High shall come upon you. And you will conceive in your womb a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. Hebrew name Yeshua. Which means savior. Savior. After Mary obviously asked how should this happen. And angel Gabriel spoke to her and told her. These are. Her words, which is beautiful. Beat unto me as thou hast spoken. As you have spoken, let it be done. Six months prior to that, Zachariah, a different disposition, position, in unbelief. Mary, beat unto me as you have spoken, I want to say something. We see Mary being highly favored. Because Mary was favored, God favors you. God favors you. All because of his son, Jesus Christ. Whoever you are, whatever you have done, whatever your background I've got an announcement for you today. God favors you. God wants to use you. Whoever you are, whatever you have done, oh, thank you, Lord. God does not hold your past against you. As people would remember and hold certain things against you, when it comes to your creator, in spite of all the things you have done that will make you feel unworthy. And who doesn't feel unworthy in the presence of God? None of us are worthy. None of us are good enough. But for his grace. But for his mercy. But for his loving kindness towards us. That is better than life. It is all to do with his grace. His grace is God's unmerited favor. All of God's goodness at Jesus' expense. That's another way to define the grace of God. When he calls you, when he says, I've got a plan for your life. When he says, I love you, my son. I love you, my daughter. Oh, God, I feel so dirty. I feel so unworthy. All you will hear Jesus is saying, I love you. I forgive you. What a God is this? Why would he do so? John 3.16, for God, our heavenly father, so loved the world. And that includes everyone. That word, world, from the Greek is the word uh, ethnos, which we get the English word ethnic. 
So when you read it like this, for God so loved every ethnicity group of people under heaven. Somebody say hallelujah. Somebody say that includes me. Yeah, that includes you, all right. That he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, whosoever, so that whosoever can be you today. Whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish. Where? In the lake of fire. But shall have eternal life. Verse 17 says, For God sent his son not into this world to condemn the world, but the world through him, through Christ, the only access might be saved oh that's good news oh what a love story when we think of this time of the year we think of the greatest love story of all john 3 16 a savior is born a savior has come into the world and he came to a humble girl like Mary. What kind of social status was Mary and Joseph? They didn't come from an opulent background. They didn't come from a wealthy background. 2,000 years ago, back in that time, you only had the rich and the poor. There was no middle class. Mary and Joseph was in the social status of the Paul, why would God Almighty allow his son to be born through a poor girl? Mary, or Miriam is a Hebrew name. It says a lot about God. It, it, it gets, puts a different spin in the picture how God sees us now when we think god if you're going to use anybody it will be this person they seem to have it all together and god says i've rejected that one imagine all the young girls in israel at that time they all desire to be the vessel because they knew of the prophecy in isaiah every one of them desire and all the elite the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the elite group of um, uh, uh, leaders over Israel, they thought if God is going to use a virgin, it will be one of their daughters. Oh my Lord. Hey, I really want you to, to, to get a different perspective on God. Because he's real. And, and when God wants to use a man or a woman, there is no discrimination, male or female. He looks at your heart. It is human beings who discriminate. Male chauvinism think women should be down here and men should be up there. And if God is going to use a person, it has to be a male. But yet when you go through the scriptures, he uses male and female. He uses nobodies. He uses despised people. Mary Magdalene was the first to bring the gospel message on the resurrection. Why did God use Mary Magdalene, whom he cast out seven demons, Jesus, out of her? He used a woman back in the first century. First century women weren't regarded as much, but yet he chose a woman who was considered as nothing, despised, to bring the resurrection message to the world. He's risen. Come and see. He's risen. Did the disciples believe her? Are you seeing God in a different light? How he comes to the nobodies and he makes them a somebody. 
and he had their name for history to read about. And he rejected the lofty and the proud and the arrogant, the one who think, I've got it all together. God should use me. Pride? He resists. The Bible says he will resist you. Amazing. If God is resisting you, doesn't matter who's praying for you, nothing is going to happen until you lower, you come off your high horse and realize if God was to close his hands with your breath in it, it doesn't matter how powerful you are. It doesn't matter how wealthy you are. It doesn't matter how popular you are. You'll be nothing. It's his grace that you are breathing today. Tomorrow is not promised to anyone. It's if God is willing, I will see you tomorrow. God willing, I will see you next week. Because the Bible says we are but a vapor. When we breathe our last breath, we come out of our mouth. Our soul comes out. And there is a corpse that's there. Some people forget that they are mortals. And they become so arrogant and they lord over people and put people down. You have that in the church. God overlooks those kind of people. And again, he goes to the lowly ones. And we are living in the time and the seasons that God is going to raise up the nameless and faceless, those who are not known, and the drawers of those who are known are going to drop because the people that God uses. Mary and Joseph was one of them. Mary was selected, chosen, set aside to receive the most important message in all of history and to conceive the Son of God. Now, why was this? Mary, the person that God was going to select, had to have been a virgin. The Bible tells us that Mary was betrothed or engaged. Engaged, engagement 2,000 years ago under Jewish culture was almost like a wedding. But they had no relationship whilst Mary was um, pregnant. Joseph was a man of great dignity. He was upright uh, uh, in all of his ways. And um, obviously the news was too much for Joseph. You'd be in issues. The lady that you are engaged to now comes to you and says, I am pregnant. The angel Gabriel came to me and told me that I've been chosen to bear the son of God. Joseph did not believe her. He loved her. Now, according to Jewish law, Moses' law, a woman who is engaged to be married now becomes pregnant outside of wedlock. Death was done by stoning. Joseph could have done that. But Joseph did not. He thought, okay, let me put her away secretly. Call off the marriage. God came to Joseph that night. And in a dream, an angel spoke to that which is in Mary is of the Holy Spirit. He changed his mind. But imagine all the whispers as people begin to hear about Mary becoming pregnant and she's not even wedded to Joseph. The Bible says that she took off to see her cousin 
um, uh, Sarah, uh, Elizabeth, sorry, Elizabeth, this is the one that the angel came to uh, 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 Zachariah, the husband, because she was pregnant. So um, she took off to see her cousin, Elizabeth, and the Bible says, as soon as Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, Mary, or John, in the womb, leaped, jumped. John the Baptist, in the womb of Elizabeth, jumped. As soon as Elizabeth heard the greeting from Mary. This is powerful, because we know that John was the forerunner for Jesus Christ. He was the one who says, prepare the way. I'm a voice in the wilderness. People thought, are you the Christ? No. The one who is coming after me, I'm not even worthy to untie his shoelace. And there she remained uh, for some months. And uh, a song broke out um, in the life of, of, of Mary. And uh, this is um, a very interesting song. Uh, Mary, joyful song of praise. It uh, encourages us to magnify God uh, from a, a devoted heart. Now listen to what Spurgeon, Spurgeon uh, uh, was a great theologian that uh, lived. And he, he talked about the uh, uh, Magnificat. This is the praise that Mary uh, uh, came out with. He said, uh, Charles Spurgeon, uh, in Mary's Magnificat, wrote, First, let us sing. Secondly, let us sing after Mary's manner. And thirdly, let us sing with Mary's purpose. Whether at Christmas or any other time throughout the year, such singing, Spurgeon says, is sweet in the ears of God. The song that uh, she came out with tells us something about Mary that our Roman Catholic friends need to understand. When Mary broke out uh, with this uh, uh, song, she mentioned uh, that she rejoiced in God, her Savior. Telling you and I, that Mary also had a sin nature that needed a savior to cleanse and to forgive her. In that beautiful song that she broke out uh, as the Holy Spirit came all over her, she realized and confessed concerning that she needed God, her Savior. She was not immaculate throughout all her years. In fact, if you read the Bible very carefully in Matthew chapter 13, uh, she had five other children. And so, some things that we can draw from uh, 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 Mary, why God chose Mary. Number one, listen, Yes, she had to fulfill uh, the prophecy. She had to have come from the lineage of uh, 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 David, the tribe of Judah. Joseph and Mary fit that in great details. Uh, number two, she had to have been a virgin. We saw the prophecy and we heard what uh, Gabriel uh, said to her. Uh, uh, thirdly, uh, we want to see her disposition um, the simplicity of her faith. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 and verse 6, for without faith, it is impossible to please God. For anyone who comes to God must believe that he exists and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so when uh, Gabriel came to Mary and she just says, I mean, how could, two, even today, 
much less 2,000 years ago, how could you properly process as a young girl that you're going to become pregnant without the intervention of a human being? How do you process that? Impossible. But it's a faith that stands out. Be unto me. Be it unto me. Let it be done. As you have spoken, that pleased God with the simplicity of faith that Mary had. And as we know, she brought forth uh, the Son of God. And she is revered throughout all of history. God's outrageous grace. That was afforded to this young teenager to carry Emmanuel. And it had to have been that way. Why? It could not have been through um, human intervention because the Bible says everyone from Adam, everyone from Adam was born sinful. We inherited a sinful nature. So, this, so the, the person that was to be born could not be born through those means whatsoever. That's why Jesus was, listen, fully human and fully God by the Holy Spirit. That's why he was the only one that could have and he did take upon himself the sins of the whole world. In the Old Testament, what they did, they brought an animal. This animal had to be about two years old, whether a lamb, whether a turtle dove, or, or, or a goat. Uh, no more than two years of age. There must be no blemish on that animal whatsoever. It was to be used as a sacrifice for their sins. They, the priest would have examined that animal, cut it open and turn out the in take out the intros and look for any discoloration any discoloration in the animal was discarded because that animal was a type of christ and the bible says then the priest took it to a brazen altar uh, uh, and and it was sacrificed and fire came down and that was an acceptance from god that the people's sins were forgiven jesus christ came as the spotless sinless lamb of god what for what purpose to take upon himself the sins of the world it could not happen through someone born from natural human means it had to be done by someone who was perfect without sin fully human but fully God and he was the only one that's why he's called the savior Yeshua savior because he bore our sins. Now think about this, ladies and gentlemen. Think about all your sins. There's not one person under the sound of my voice that hasn't done something wrong. Every human being was born in sin. We were born with a sin nature, a proclivity to do wrong. Think about those babies, okay? Uh, uh, learning to crawl and learning to understand a bit and use, tell that uh, baby, uh, don't touch that. And what that baby does, it reaches out and it looks behind. The baby understands that it's going to do something that it should not do. Where did that come from? Where, why do we have to teach babies and children to be good? Because they're naturally sinful. This is the disposition, the proclivity towards doing wrong. That's a sinful nature. How many times have you said, I'm not going to do that again. I will never do that again. And you end up doing the same thing again. And you hate yourself for doing that. Because you don't want to do it again. What is that? It's a, a sinful nature. Now get this. On the cross, Jesus took that sinful nature of mankind in his own body 
Think of all the wrongs that you have ever done. Jesus bore that in his own body on the cross so that you can come to him knowing that he's the savior. He's the only one that did that and says, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinful person. Have mercy on me. Would he? Absolutely. Why? 2,000 years ago, he bore that. What is Christmas about? A savior was born. But I could be forgiven of all the wrongs that I've ever done. But Pastor Dave, what about my good works? I, I, wouldn't God accept me because I'm a good person. I, I don't steal. I, I don't hurt anyone. I, I haven't raped anyone. I've not gone to prison. I, I'm a good person. By whose standards? Who, whose standards are you measuring your goodness? Oh, why don't we look at God's standards, shall we? That's how we're supposed to look at our You're a good person, right? What's God's standard? Ten Commandments. Have you ever lied? Well, everybody has lied. Have you ever lied? Yes. What well, does that make you? A, a liar? That's one of the commandments you've already broken. Are you still a good person? Have you ever stolen anything? Uh, I guess so. What does that make you? A thief. Two of the commandments you've already broken. If you've broken one, you've broken them all. Where would you stand on judgment day? Guilty or not guilty? The Bible tells us by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. When you stand before your maker, you're not going to be justified and go to heaven because of your works. If that is so, how many good works do you have to do to be assured you're going to heaven? Think about it. How much works, good works do I have to do then I could be assured you will never know what an awful dilemma. You could give your money to the poor. You can give yourself voluntarily to help people. I wonder if that's enough. And you're going and you're doing things. I wonder if that's enough. Is it enough? You're in a quandrum. You don't know. If I die, am I going to go to heaven? I don't know. Perhaps I should do some more work. You do more work, you help more people. How do I know it's enough? By the works of the Lord, the Bible says our own good works, if we're doing it for righteousness, if we're doing it to gain merits, the Bible says they're like filthy rags before God. All your good works are commendable, but it won't get you to heaven. There was a savior that came into the world. We couldn't save ourselves. That's why God sent his only son. He paid all the sin debt that we owe, that we could not pay. Jesus willingly suffered and died in our place. It should have been us that was crucified. But God's son took my place. Sin had to be punished because God is holy and he's a judge. Jesus took our punishment for sin. He was judged instead of me so that I can be found in his eyes not guilty. Because I trust him as my personal savior. What love is this? What love is this? That the one who knew no sin took my sins in his own body on the tree. Was completely disgraced and humiliated by his own creation. And one of the last words he said, Father, forgive them. But they don't know what they are doing. 
Had it been you and I, Father, just wipe them out. Look what I come and did. I showed them who you were, what your life I healed. And they are screaming, crucify him. If you be the son of God, come down from the cross and we will believe. But he stayed there for you and for me. Why? Because he so loved you. And he wants you in heaven with him. God can use you, whatever your past may be. He doesn't look at that. He looks at his creation. He made you in his image and in his likeness. Sin distorted that image. Jesus Christ came, rectified by what he did on the cross. And when you say, Lord Jesus, forgive me. I believe you are the son of God. Something miraculous, supernatural takes place. You know that you know that you know my sins are gone. You feel a freedom. And his love comes shining in your heart. You know that you are loved. You know that you are accepted. All on Jesus' expense. That's it's called grace. You are highly favored. Let us bow our heads, shall we? Oh, I feel his presence. Lord, you are awesome. I feel your presence that is present in this place. We're just going to ponder for a few moments on what we have heard. I thank you, Lord, that you're looking at hearts right now. Human beings look at the exterior and they judge by what they see. You go beyond the exterior and you look at the heart. And you are seeing hearts right now. You're seeing where people are at. You're seeing what they've gone through. You've seen even what they've done. Things that we wouldn't want anyone to know about. And yet you say, I will not hold that against you. You are saying, I love you, my daughter. I love you, my son. Holy Spirit, touch people across this congregation right now, please. Those watching online, I pray the power of your presence be made so real where they are sitting, where they are standing, whatever they're doing online, Lord. I pray that you will captivate hearts and minds at this very moment. That your love will be poured into people's hearts melt away all the ugliness that life has dealt people melt away all the bitterness the resentment the anger pour your love in the hearts of people right now as in their hearts they are contemplating the message some would even say if you are really real, Jesus, if you are the Son of God, remember me. Reveal yourself to me. That's all you have to say. Jesus, if you are God, reveal yourself to me. I want to know this God, this preacher is speaking about. You're more than just a man, a miracle worker, a good teacher, a prophet. You are God. And I want to know you. I want to experience you. Change my life. 
I want to encounter you. If you can use nothing, here I am, Lord. Use this dejected, rejected outcast. Holy Spirit is here. And he sees lives at this time. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Some of you would have been dead already had you gone through that thought of what you wanted to do to, do to yourself. But it was God it was God that prevented you from taking your own life. God specialized in putting the broken pieces of people's lives back together. Broken dreams. Looking for love but all in the wrong places. You're searching for love and you're heartbroken again. Jesus sees that brokenness and he's saying, Come, come to me. I love you. I will complete you. I will fulfill you. I've got a plan for your life. Let me into your heart. Let me into your heart and heal all those ugly pain of broken dreams, broken promises. I really sense the Holy Spirit is speaking uh, to people here, whoever you are. I said, please, he's reading your email. He's reading your life. Goodness. And he's right there where you are. Thank you, Lord. You are awesome, Jesus. Oh, his presence is here. His love is here. His acceptance is here. He loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Broken. Jesus loves you. I hear a song. He loves you. Whatever you have done, wherever you're from, he loves you. Jesus loves you. Let him touch you. Let him heal your broken heart. He wants to wash away your sins. He wants to take away all your sins. And he's present right now. If you're here under the sound of my voice and he says, preacher, please pray for me. I, I want this Jesus. Nothing to be embarrassed about. Nothing to be ashamed. What is there to be ashamed? We're talking about Jesus and what he did on the cross. If you're that man, that woman, that boy, that girl, and he says, I want this Jesus, please just show by the raising of your hands right now. I want to pray. I want to pray for you right now. If you want Jesus to come into your heart and into your life, if you want him to forgive you of all of your sins, wash them away as far as the east is from the west. That's how far he will separate your sins and remember them. If you're that person right now, just signal by the raising of your hands. And I'm going to remember you in this prayer for salvation. It's a prayer for salvation. What God does, he takes your name out of the book of death and he puts your name in the book of life. So that when you expire from this earth, your soul and your spirit go straight into heaven. Because you ask him to forgive you and to come into your heart. When we don't do that and we're thinking, well, I don't believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Uh, uh, I, I, I can get to heaven my own way. Then when you die, God doesn't send anyone to hell. We send ourselves there. 
because we rejected the only Savior who is able to save us. So you reject Jesus. When you die, your soul and your spirit automatically goes to the flames of hell. And you know something? There is no parole. It's forever and ever and ever. But Jesus came so you don't have to go there. But it's a choice we all have to make. And he doesn't force anyone, but he pleads, don't go to hell. Don't die without me. Oh, thank you, Lord. Let us stand to our feet at this time. We're going to be closing.